electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Welcome back to Bizarro Wall Street where bad news is good news, at least when it comes to the economy. This morning's jobless claims number came in disappointingly high. That is terrible if you're looking for work. But it's fabulous for Wall Street because it means the Federal Reserve won't feel compelled to raise interest rates anytime soon. See, Fed Chief Jay Powell wants to keep fighting unemployment rather than inflation. And this not-so-hot data makes it easier for him to stick to his guns and for growth stock buyers to come out of the woodwork and buy their faves again. And that's how the market could rally, with the S&P jumping 1.18%, new all-time high. Dow advancing 172 points, and the NASDAQ, where all those once-for-loan super-growth stocks live, surged 1.76%. Now, I know it sounds counterintuitive. If you want higher stock prices, you need two things, though. You need better-than-expected earnings and bad non-inflationary news about the economy. Bye, bye, bye! So that the Fed doesn't see the need to tighten. Today, J-Pal got a terrific excuse to keep easy money flowing. And you know what? That's exactly what's needed after President Biden rolled out a massive $2.25 trillion jobs program yesterday. Which brings us to our game plan. Now, tomorrow we get the Labor Department's monthly non-farm payroll report. And we had the day off for heaven's sake, but they're still doing that. Now, it might be softer than expected given today's suboptimal jobless claims. Remember, that's what kind of got people going. The market's closed for Good Friday, but when we come in on Monday, we're going to be reacting, all right? We're going to be reacting to the number that comes out tomorrow at 8.30. And once again, bad news is good news. Wouldn't shock me if it's weaker than expected. On Tuesday, we have an analyst meeting from a company with one of the strongest stocks in this market. Applied materials. I think the semiconductor equipment maker may use that meeting to raise numbers, perhaps substantially, 
because of that worldwide chip shortage we talk so much about. So demand for manufacturing equipment is just off the charts. Last night, Taiwan Semiconductor, one of the most forward-thinking companies on Earth, committed to spending $100 billion in equipment over the next three years. That's an increase from what it's been talking about. No wonder Applied Materials and its peers, KLA and LAM Research, have all been red hot. Later in the show, we're going to hear from Micron, the commodity chip maker who really deserves to be called a proprietary chip maker these days. They reported a stunningly good quarter last night. They told a story of incredible demand. I expect semiconductor prices to keep soaring, so chip makers will keep needing more capacity, which means a stock like Applied Materials, up an astonishing 64% this year, should actually, amazingly, have more room to run. We also hear from Paychex, and I expect it to trade down no matter what the company has to say. Why is that? Because it's, become a, it's a post-earnings pattern. This incredibly consistent payroll processor and human resources consultant has had to deal with this seemingly for years now. See, there are a bunch of negative analysts who've been wrong all the way up. They'll most likely stay wrong, giving you a chance to buy Paychex on weakness, even if it reports a great quarter. Hey, speaking of weakness, i got to clear something up, all right? I've got to get this off my chest since started this morning. I was dead wrong about CarMax uh, last week during the game plan. I figured this huge car dealer uh, was almost a can't-miss situation. I thought they reported a great quarter today, and I said that to you, because there is such huge demand for vehicles right now. Look, we just had Carvana. That was magnificent. Lithium Motors is, right, is just incredible. But there's been not enough new, uh, not new cars thanks to the chip shortage. So I figured, how could CarMax blow it? But they whiffed giving us a disappointing top and bottom line miss. Uh, the stock plunged 7% today, though. I have to tell you, when I read through the conference call, uh, as sick as I was because of the decline, it did make me feel there was a bit of an overreaction. I think CarMax stock is very attractive coming out of the pandemic, but the call rubbed the analysts the wrong way because they're like me. We all figured they had to do a good number. In other words, today's pullback might be a good opportunity to buy the stock. Future will be brighter than the results lead you to believe. But they... And yes, I should have done better for you. For the open Wednesday, we get the weekly mortgage application numbers. We need to see continued momentum in housing. That's been one of the strongest themes in this market. I think it remains a great story as long as interest rates stay low, or at least relatively low, because so many people are moving from the cities to the suburbs and the country. Uh, they actually literally go out the country. That's why I like that tractor supply in response to the pandemic. Even if the economy reopens, it looks like remote work is here to stay. Lots of big companies are adopting what's called a hybrid schedule. Some days in the office, some days working from home. And that's going to keep boosting the housing market for a long time. A world where you can work from home is a world where you can tolerate a longer commute if it means you get more space, which is exactly why so many people are abandoning their apartments. Next up on Thursday, we've got a plethora of big names reporting. Uh, first, we hear from Constellation Brands and ConAgra. Uh, and then Levi Strauss there for the close. Now, Constellation got hit with a negative research piece the other day that suggested that beer, uh, the beer and liquor company, which is a fantastic grower, might deliver a light quarter thanks to weakness in Texas. See, the devastation from the Superstorm Uri, which, again, I keep pointing out, has not been uh, written about or talked about enough, may actually hurt their earnings. Texas is a big market for them. Now, you know Constellation is the maker of Corona and Modelo. It's been responsible for all the growth in its category. And long term, I think betting against this company is a mugs game. So stay close. Remember also, if Washington ever legalized marijuana nationwide, Constellation could step up the best cannabis company. I follow Canopy Growth because they already own a huge chunk of it. What a kicker that could be. How about this ConAgra? 
It's been able to put up some good numbers thanks to some excellent brand extensions and some acquisitions. It's dominance in the frozen food aisle. Now, I do worry, as with all the other food companies, that ConAgra might temper its forecast because of concerns about the great reopening. But this has been one of the standouts in a pretty anemic group. As for Levi Strauss, we've been huge supporters of this one. While others fled the stock on mass as the pandemic washed over the market last year, we urge you to stick with it. And I'm glad we did because it's come roaring back. So many investors were worried about retail in general and apparel in particular, but now they're beloved as plays in the great reopening. I just wish Levi Strauss's stock hadn't run so much going into the quarter. We know PVH ran up huge into its results, and then the stock got blasted after a fairly good number. So why don't we see how Levi behaves going into the earnings? Friday, we get some insight into a number that I really never used to care about, but into the producer price index. See, this is the big fear right now, that one. Uh, look, uh, you know the CIA. I see the inflation in lumber. I see it in plastics. I see it in metals. I see it in semiconductors. I think this PPI number could run in hot. So should you be nervous about it? Remember, when j vowed to keep rates low last time, he also added that the, that the inflation would spike near term. In other words, he, he was saying this is going to be a bad number. Next Friday, we get the spike. And the market should be prepared for it because he told us to be prepared. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's totally baked in. The bottom line, with still one more record gain in the S&P 500, you think we're pressing our bets here to stay long? Yesterday, I suggested that the counter trend rally in tech could continue for a few more days before it ebbs. So far, that forecast stands. But without a cool employment number tomorrow, I expect the reopening stocks think the banks and the industrials to come back into vogue on the Wall Street Fashion Show sometime next week. Let's go to Ezekiel in New York. Ezekiel. Hey, Jim. Booyah. Booyah. Uh, appreciate what you do for the people of all ages. Thank you. Uh, I'll quick, quickly like to give a shout out to the Agbali family and my fiance, Iman. Excellent. I'm here to talk about King Duo Duo with the ticker PDD, Chinese e-commerce company. I saw go all the way to 200 from 50 last year. Still biting my fingers. We have Wait. a significant pullback here. Do you think it's a buy considering all the bad news hitting some Chinese names recently? I know it's a a growth uh, ETF favorite. I totally get that. Uh, I have endorsed Alibaba, uh, and I like Baidu. I you know I think JD is very good. I could add this company, but I've really I'm really out there with three stocks. That's how much I dislike the Shanghai market. I'm going to stick with my three. I understand though that this is a fan growth fave. Jack in Ohio. Jack. Hey, thanks for taking my call, Jimmy. Of course, Jack. What's up? Hey, with people starting to get out more, it seems like for the past months, every time you drive by, their drive through lines are always very busy. With the recent run-up of the stock, do you think it's too late to add more to my already holdings of Starbucks? Well, I own this stock. My Chapel Trust owns it, I should say, for ActionAlertsPlus.com. You can join the club and find out more about it. I would not come in at this level. Because I think you can get a, a quick trade down and get a better chance. But you're absolutely right. They are now hitting on all cylinders. The United States is coming back hard for them. And uh, my congratulations to Kevin Johnson for negotiating a very difficult period. They're taking up a lot of leases and expanding. But I want you to keep an eye on the reopening stocks. I think they're going to come back into vogue in the Wall Street Fashion Show. If this number, okay, if we get, we get a hot number, well, look out. Those are the only ones that are going to go up. On my money tonight, I'm sitting down with the CEO of Micron, fresh out of its report to find out what the chip maker is signaling for the future. Now, there's an industrial that's, that's red hot. 
Then QuantumScape led the EV place higher today as Volkswagen added another $100 million to its investment in its company. I'm sitting down with the CEO to get an update. And the dynamic has shifted greatly in the world uh, of SPACs, right? The mergers, as investors have become somewhat apathetic in the space. So could the recent action in a very speculative stock, Hyzot, be a red flag or a buying opportunity? I'm talking to the CEO. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. The whole tech sector came roaring back today. I'm not sure how much staying power all the stocks will have, but I know one group that is incredible. I am talking about the booming semiconductor business. Right now, we've got a huge chip shortage, meaning the chip makers have incredible pricing power. Case in point, last night we got some fantastic results from Micron, the commodity chip maker that's really not much of a commodity chip maker anymore. DRAMs, flash memory, amazing volumes. Now, everyone knew this would be a good quarter. I mean, Micron pre-announced strong numbers at the beginning of March. But the full rundown beat even these elevated expectations. Even better, management gave you a terrific forecast for the next quarter. Commentary was incredibly bullish. Micron's seeing strength across the virtual, well, virtually every single market with excellent pricing power for both Flash and DRAMs. And they see this continuing through the rest of the year. The only light part was some storage numbers. It don't even matter. Let's take, you know what? Don't take this from me. Let's check in with Sanjay Marotra. He's the president and CEO of Micron, and one of my absolute favorite CEOs. To learn about the quarter and what's next, Mr. Marocha, welcome back to Man Money. Hi, Jim. Great to be on your show again. Sanjay, when the stock was at 40s and 50s, you had a premonition, basically. But, of course, things aren't ethereal like that. You saw the booming end markets coming. But even you, sir, you've got to be surprised at the strength of so many different markets. We are very excited, Jim, about the strength in multiple end markets from cloud data center, enterprise data center, to the intelligent edge, PCs, smartphones, automotives. All of these are driving strong growth in demand for our products. 
And Micron is executing well on the technology and product front as well. You know, through the pandemic, Jim, we have really emerged stronger with solid execution with technology and product leadership with our one alpha DRAM node and 176 layer NAND. These are both, for the first time in the history of the company, both of these we are first in the industry simultaneously. So we are excited about the opportunities ahead. Well, that's why I tell you candidly, I, I would hope you to, to double down by buying uh, Kyoxia, which is a Japanese chip maker that may or may not be for sale. The Wall Street Journal mentioned it. I'm sure it's hard to talk about whether you'll make a bid, but you have to admit that NAND's strong enough, Flash is strong enough, that this might be worth doing. So, Jim, you know that we don't really comment on industry rumors or speculation. With respect to NAND, what I can tell you is, as I mentioned, our 176-layer NAND, we are the first ones in the industry already starting to ship this product. And this will drive our growth of NAND business uh, in terms of revenue as well as in terms of profitability, not only through the rest of the year in 2021, but also will be workhorse of our technology in 22 timeframe. So we have a solid plan in NAND to grow, strengthen the return on our investments. And at the same time, DRAM, which is nearly 75% of our business, Micron is executing well, and the demand drivers are strong in this age of AI and data. Every application needs more memory, and Micron is well poised, I believe, to drive stellar financial results over the course of next several quarters. We are very confident in our demand outlook through 2021, as well as in 22, as the world economies rebound from the pandemic. Now, I, I thought of you last night when I was listening to the president, and I said, look, they want to do something to help build foundries in this country. And then I said to myself, well, if I were Sanjay, I'd say, hey, that's not fair. I'm, we've been building foundries. We, we're, we, we've done everything you're supposed to do. I mean, it, there is some kind of an inequity here, don't you think? So first of all, let me tell you that we are really very appreciative of the U.S. government the Congress and the administration in terms of focus, focusing on the need for driving innovation, competitiveness, and global leadership for the U.S. semiconductor industry. This is clearly important because the semiconductors form the backbone of everything today in the economies. Micron, of course, has been, as you noted, we have been a manufacturers with a fab in Manassas, Virginia, our headquarters out of Boise, Idaho, and the world's best memory R&D center driven out of Boise, Idaho, and having a global footprint of manufacturing in Taiwan, in Singapore, in Japan, Malaysia, China. So we are very well diversified, which today we consider as a competitive advantage. But we really appreciate the administration's efforts, and we, of course, continue to monitor and look at these trends, because as a, the only company in the U.S. that makes semiconductor memory and storage, which, by the way, semiconductor memory and storage makes up nearly 30% of the worldwide semiconductor production. So we are really a leader in memory and storage, the only U.S. company. We are definitely excited about the prospects of driving greater leadership in research, technology, and products in the, uh, through U.S., as well as on a worldwide basis for driving innovation agenda of our customers worldwide. Now, I wanted to ask you, uh, because you've been one that's been putting up things, but a lot of others haven't, are we running a risk 
uh, as I was listening to your call, that we're going to do something we used to do, which is that people, uh, the CapEx didn't increase that much. The volumes went up. The price went up. And then suddenly everybody came out with, with, with more CapEx, and then we got a bust again. Because, you know, under your stewardship, I thought that era was over. I thought we just had the big secular gain. And then I started getting worried. Be like, oh, boy, when people are going to start chasing price and we could have a bust. Is that possible? So, Jim, we are, of course, extremely disciplined in terms of investing in CapEx and making sure that our supply bit growth is well aligned with demand growth expectations, not just from quarter to quarter, but on a multiple year CAGR cumulative average growth rate basis. This is important, the discipline to drive supply growth through technology transitions, which provide high return on investments, and keeping that supply growth aligned with the expectations of the demand growth. And if you look at the DRAM industry, through the cycle from the last trough in 2016 to, uh, I mean, to the one in 2020, the DRAM industry profitability actually has been very healthy, strong margins, strong returns on return on investments, and the industry has shown capex discipline, which is important. And Micron, through the uh, 2016 to th- through 2020 timeframe, actually has driven revenue growth of 70 percent. We have. Uh, driven EBITDA margins of 50%, gross margins of 40% on an average through the cycle, and return on investment of 20%. So I think you can see that this new Micron is very different, driving for technology and product leadership and financial strength and, of course, disciplined growth. So we are not just about cycle. It really is. We are a growth story here. You really are. And those margins versus what I remember with Micron and other times in my life are very different. And you are just precisely on point with that, with those predictions. I really think it's going to happen multiple years. Sanjay Marotra, President and CEO of Micron. Congratulations on what I think is the best quarter of the whole group. Great to see you, sir. Great to be here, Jim. Thank you. Sanjay just gave you an outlook that is so different from the Micron that I used to trade in the night when it was in the 1990s, my hedge fund, 2000. It's always been boom bust. Not anymore. I think it's secular growth, and that makes the stock go higher from these levels. Man, money's back in for the break. Coming up, with a stock that's burning rubber over a major investment from an automotive icon, is this company ready to take a quantum leap above the competition? charge up those batteries. Kramer steps into the accelerator for an interview you can't afford to miss. Next. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Man, oh man, is it nice to see an electric vehicle SPAC actually deliver on its promises. So many of these stores have gone up in smoke lately. Now, look, I don't want to accuse anyone of uh, any sort of a malfeasance or anything, but let's just say that people running some of these electric SPACs uh, were way, way too uh, promotional. I mean, just yesterday, Romeo Power, a battery technology play, slashed its full-year guidance by roughly 80%. They only made that forecast six months ago. What the heck? The SPAC world keeps taking its cue from Cole Porter. Anything goes! But there's still some gold buried within all that SPAC dross. Last night, Kramer faved QuantumScape, the company that's trying to reinvent electric vehicle batteries. And now they've successfully met a major technical milestone that will allow them to get an additional $100 million investment from maybe the most important vehicle company on Earth, Volkswagen. And that's why QuantumScape rallied more than 10% today. It made a lot of sense for it to do that. Now, the stock has been hammered, like a lot of other companies, falling from $64 a week and a half ago to just under 50 today, because it's exactly the kind of high-flying growth stock that the market's turned against. But this is a real company, the real technology, a fabulous partnership with a major automaker. Even if the rally's temperate and it keeps getting hit by that backlash, it does get cheaper as it goes lower. So well, that's why we got to dig deeper with Jagdeep Singh, the co-founder, chairman, CEO of QuantumScape, and a real business person and, and a scientist to get a better sense of what this milestone means. Mr. Singh, welcome back to Man Money. Thanks, Jim. Great to be here. All right. So, Jagdeep, this is a major accomplishment by a company that is so committed, maybe the most committed in the world of the large manufacturers to clean skies, electric fields. So why don't you explain to people how important it is that they gave you this $100 million? Yeah, great point, uh, Jim. Also, your earlier point about, you know, uh, hitting expectations. You know, we've been pretty careful about that. We've tried to uh, say what we're going to do and then do what we say we're going to do. Uh, and, you know, obviously in December, we announced the, um, the, 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 the performance data from ourselves, which was pretty, pretty amazing uh, data. If we say so ourselves, very, very exciting for the industry. Followed it up, obviously, in February on an earnings call with the multi-layer results, which was a big milestone. I don't think, I don't think folks were expecting it that that early. Uh, and then, yeah, yesterday we announced that uh, we had met this milestone that we had set up with VW uh, when we entered into our, our last agreement with them over a year ago. Uh, and uh, the milestone basically involved um, uh, testing uh, uh, a specific set of cells that were um, designed to their specific uh, dimensions. Uh, at a specified set of power uh, and, and temperature conditions uh, for a specified number of cycles. And we're very pleased that the cells uh, hit all those milestones. And as a result, it unlocked their $100 million uh, investment. So, uh, so far, so good. I think we, we feel good about where we are. I feel like this uh, positions us well to continue to execute and, uh, and deliver. Well, I thought of you last night when I was listening to the president. 
the president is saying, a lot of people are saying, listen, we really got to jumpstart this industry. Uh, it's way too expensive. The average car, say $10,000 more than a regular car. But when I listen to what you said, for instance, at this battery seminar series, which I have to admit was a little tough for me. I was Googling a lot of words. Um, you are talking about a battery that is safer, that is faster, that is conceivably cheaper, that charges in, in a short period of time. And it's all in here. You're talking about something, most importantly, that's not incremental. This is not an incremental change. It's a seismic change. You've got to explain to our people why you are not just tinkering. This is big. Absolutely. I think this is a great uh, observation there, Jim. I think, you know, there's a few key things that have, that have been missing uh, that have kept EVs from being competitive with a combustion engine. And you mentioned all of them. I mean, we need greater energy density for longer range. Uh, we need faster charge times, which means higher power density. Uh, we need safer operations. Uh, we need you know, lower costs. We need longer life. All five of those things. Turns out that we deliver all five of, thing, of those things not by bolting together five different sort of solutions, but by making one key change, which is to replace the carbon anode with a lithium metal anode, which is in turn enabled by the solid state electrolyte that we have in our cell. Uh, that's, of course, this material that took us 10 years to develop. But once you have that solid state material, you can, you can enable that lithium metal anode and hit all five of those benefits in one fell swoop. So, uh, it's it's very exciting. You know, we we I mean, it's great that the administration is so supportive of this uh, electrified transition that uh, that that is critical for you know to to address emissions. Uh, but our view is that at the end of the day, um, you know, uh, uh, government uh, you know policy is not enough. You, you've got to have a product that people want to buy, and we think that people are going to want to buy more EVs once they're more competitive with combustion engines. That's really the promise of right. what we're doing. And, and you're absolutely right to identify all five of those things uh, as, as key requirements to close that or narrow that gap between EVs and, and uh, combustion powertrains. I don't want to put you out on a limb because you are one of the few companies in this space that has not overpromised. But I think people may not know how big Volkswagen is. And what we need is scale. I keep hearing about these projects. It's 500 here. It's 1,000 there. But if you develop something for VW, tell people how big they really are. Oh, I mean, these guys are staggeringly big. I mean, they sell north of 10 million cars a year. They're consistently among the top, you know, two or three you know, largest car companies in the world. And their commitment to electrification is right now second to none. I mean, they're just they're going all in uh, to electrify powertrains. I mean, there was some talk about them being renamed to Volkswagen. I don't know how real that is, but but the point is they're they're all in. You, I don't know if you saw their power day a couple of weeks ago. They, yes. they outlined a very big commitment. Uh, you know, we're very gratified that they mentioned uh, QuantumScape as sort of the end game for for batteries with solid state. So uh, we think we can play a role there. But really, you know, if they achieve their goals of of getting say a few million cars electrified by mid-decade, that would be on the order of a few tens of uh, of uh, uh, billions of cells of ours. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, a few billions of cells, which is a few tens of billions of dollars in revenue. So it's just staggeringly big numbers. But to be candid, we're not going to be able to build factories fast enough to really address that entire uh, demand that that one customer has. But I think what we're trying to do is build factories as fast as we can uh, to address really, uh, you know, as much of a fraction of that uh, as we can. And the fullness of time, you know, over the coming decade, uh, we think we can, you know, really um, wrap up production to to really high levels. But uh, in the near term, you know, we we um, you know we're going to try and address as much of that as we can and, and achieve uh, you know the, the the revenue ramp goals that, that we've outlined. Okay, well, one of uh, your biggest backers is a guy who's actually a pretty creative thinker, uh, Adam Jonas and Morgan Stanley. 
He called you the biotech. I actually like that when he called you Biden. But he says now you've got more financial breathing room because you got the money from VW and you also did the uh, the equity offering. Uh, but you also have to spend a lot of money to, to ramp the way you'd like to. Are you OK for, say, three, four quarters at this pace in terms of money? Yeah, I mean, actually, the money that we have in the bank, we now have approximately $1.5 billion in the balance sheet. And um, if you if you uh, listen to our uh, our February earnings call, we said that we expect to spend uh, a net of um, uh, uh, our cash balance at the end of the year will be uh, between zero and 60 million less than it was in the last year. So overall, we'll, we'll end the year with a very strong balance sheet. Uh, the cash that we have in the bank right now is enough to fund uh, our pre-pilot production line, which we call QA0. In fact, it's enough to fund uh, a doubling of capacity of that line. It's enough to fund um, you know, uh, uh, us most of the way through our 20 gigawatt hour expansion facility with Volkswagen. Uh, that'll be in the 2024-25 timeframe. Uh, so we, you know, we feel very good about where we are cash-wise. I think we you know, um, we ran into a tough market, as you mentioned, uh, when we did our follow-on offering uh, last week, but uh, we're very happy that we raised uh, you know, on the order of half a billion dollars. Uh, add that to the billion dollars already in the balance sheet, that takes you to the 1.5 billion, uh, which really is, is, uh, you know, uh, is, is a lot of capital for us to be able to execute on the production plans uh, that we have here. Well, look, that's terrific. And uh, I think people have to understand that when you hit that milestone, it's a very big test. They didn't have to give it to you. They did not have to give Jagdeep the money. They could have said no, but they said yes. And I think they're the most important client on earth when it comes to to clean skies. So Jagdeep Singh, co-founder, chairman, CEO of Quantumscape, it is such a delight to see you again. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure, Jim. Thanks for having me. Take care. Thank you. Bad Money's back after the break. High hopes for hydrogen? Heisen Motors is fueling up to come public. And Kramer's finding out what sets them apart from the pack. Next. markets lost interest in SPAC mergers, we can finally think about buying some of these things as long as we do the homework and we like what we see. Which brings me to Hyzon Motors. This is a company that makes hydrogen fuel cells for heavy-duty vehicles like Class A trucks and buses. That's probably the best way to use hydrogen. Now, this is not some pie-in-the-sky SPAC story with plans to start marking um, something maybe in 2024, 25. They've got fuel cells in production right now. In February, we learned that Hyzon is effectively uh, coming public by merging with an outfit called Decarbonization Plus Acquisition Corp. Although the story is a little complicated because Hyzon is a subsidiary of the privately held Horizon Fuel Cell Technologies. At the time of the announcement, the stock surged from $10, just under $20. But thanks to this recent SPAC clash we keep talking about, it's pulled back to $10 and changed. It's now a few bucks below where it was trading before the deal was announced. So could this be a buying opportunity or is the stock selling off for a good reason? Let's take a closer look with Craig Knight. He's the co-founder and CEO of Heizon Motors to learn more about his business and his prospects. Mr. Knight, welcome to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. It's nice to be here. All right, so we've had a tough week with some of these, these stocks in your group. They shouldn't all be lumped together. They're all very different companies. But I want you to tell our viewers about this is not one of those pie in the skies. You actually have vehicles that work and are in some ways economic. Indeed. So you're right, Jim. Hyzen uh, has really recently started assembling trucks and buses. And the truck and the virtual ride-along we did in Europe recently was powered by the same fuel cell designs that have been supplied by the parent company for hundreds of commercial vehicles deployed mostly in Asia previously. So with governments and corporations facing this increasingly urgent mandate to reduce dependence on fossil fuels, 
Um, while heavy transport is a tough sector to address, it's really well suited to hydrogen fuel cells. And Hyzon brings substantial capability and real-world experience to accelerate the energy transition in commercial mobility. Okay, when I look at the president's program last night, a lot of people thought it was going to be about really about roads. I heard it as being about EV, uh, EV truck, EV bus, EV car. Did you uh, think that the president's focus could mean good things for hydrogen? So obviously hydrogen trucks are electric trucks. They are fuel cell electric trucks. So I know that EV is often a term that is uh, coined for battery only um, electric vehicles. But in many cases, in some, or in many use cases, uh, where payload is important, where range is important, and where vehicles are expected to be driven by multiple driver shifts in a 24-hour period, these applications are really far better suited to hydrogen than battery-only electric. So we see great potential for those kind of back-to-base operations with, with high utilization uh, to move towards hydrogen. And we think that the kind of catch-all of EV, it really does include fuel cell electric and will increasingly be recognized to include fuel cell electric because today it's probably not so recognized. No, it's not. I mean, I, but I, what I liked about what the president said was he understood that sometimes the uh, government has to give the private sector a boost. We saw that uh, in South Korea with plug power, uh, also with China. But how about this New Zealand deal for 1,500 trucks? Is that just straight out a good deal for Hyzon? Oh, look, obviously that that deal for New Zealand to deliver 1,500 trucks uh, within the next six years, five to six years for a young company is a challenge, right? But it's a challenge we, we welcome with open arms. And this is a deal that's also supported by the New Zealand government. By the way, Jim, you mentioned how it helps when governments provide some frameworks and some incentive for some of these early movers. And that's another example where that's the case. But we have the major trucking operators within New Zealand behind this deal. So we work with the Hiringa Energy, who's deploying the hydrogen infrastructure, but it's really the fleet operators that are behind the, the deal and underpinning the demand for the trucks. So the fleet operators actually want to, they accept hydrogen. Why? Because is it somehow cheaper? I'm sure they're never really worried about being clean, are they? Oh, they are very much worried about being clean in really? New Zealand. <laughs> so, Jim, um, Jim, New Zealand, you know, markets itself and is actually very proud of its pristine environment um, for tourism. Uh, but even their whole national identity is around, you know, this 100% pure New Zealand uh, um, thinking process and, and marketing campaign from years ago. So we're looking to convert it to 100% pure H2 from a commercial mobility standpoint. Um, and while the economics today are um, a challenge to get to diesel parity, um, there are pathways to get to diesel parity with zero emissions in the next two to three years in wow. many scenarios, not only in New Zealand, but also in Australia. We see the same pathway in California, and there'll be more and more jurisdictions where we can bring that to fruition in the next two to three well, years. That's that's a terrific story. I, I, look, we all want it to be true. Uh, we all want to be we all want it to be New Zealand because then we really would beat this whole climate change issue. Craig Knight, co-founder, CEO of Heisen, a very exciting story. Thank you for coming on Mad Money. Thank you very much, Jim. It's a great pleasure to be here. You know I'm a believer in green hydrogen. I know it's far off, but after listening to Mr. Knight, maybe it's not as far as I thought. Mad Money's back in the break. Stick around. May I make a suggestion? I would stay with him. The lightning round is coming up next. 
I'm opening up the lines to hear from you, the voices of Kramer, because it's an uncertain time. I want to talk to you. Mr. Kramer, I just want to tell you, you are absolutely, positively fantastic. Thanks for helping us not panic in times like this. The average investor, which we all know and love, you cater to us, and we appreciate that for all you teach us. I am not going anywhere. You shouldn't either. We will get through this together. Kramer has your back. Call 1-800-743-CNBC and let's take on the market together. We're going to figure this out. We'll puzzle it over and we'll make it so that we're all smarter. It is time. It's time for the light round. Come on, 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 come and then the lighting round is over. Are you ready? Ski daddy over the light round. Let's start with Carrie in Georgia. Carrie. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Thank you so much for what you're doing for us young retail investors. Well, I'm trying truly- because we got a lot of work to do. People want to, as Jay Clayton is the guy who used to run the uh, SEC, said today, well, people want more education, and that's what I intend to provide. What's going on? Um, I would love to hear your thoughts on a charging station company. Uh, that's strategically placing its charging stations in metro cities. And with the Biden infrastructure plan announced, it mm-hmm. looks like a good spec opportunity. Uh, the name of the company is called Volta Charging. Right, the, tor- the tortoise, the tortoise shell. Okay, I look, I think this is, uh, there's so many of these electric vehicle stocks these days that I just, you know, I got to have them on, frankly, because uh, I like QuantumScape. There's a bunch of others that are good. But let's let's do more. Let's have them on because some of these are really blown up, and I don't want to hurt anybody. Let's go to Eric in Wisconsin. Eric. Hey Jim, uh, my company has been up about thirty percent year to date. I was wondering if there's more room to run for cats. Oh my! I mean, you know, uh, my hat is off to, to Jim Umpleby. He's the CEO. Why? Because when the stock was at a hundred points ago, he was saying, "Look, I got to buy stock now. I got to buy back." He's a new CEO in terms of his outlook of the company. He's done a great job. It's the premier infrastructure play. It's a China play. If they don't even need China, actually, it's the United States. But cat's good. What can I say? Cat's real good. Let's go to John in New York. John. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Originally from New Jersey, Milburn Deli is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, good sandwiches, but you got to know immediately. If you if you even hesitate for a moment to trample you there, what's up? Always the godfather. Now, for the stock I want to talk about, it has multiple revenue streams, automotive, and a growing market share, batteries, autonomous driving, software services, services which will drive margins for years to come, and energy, which Kathy Woods didn't even account for. Why is Tesla not the best investment with a five-year time horizon? Look, the only reason Tesla's not going up is because it's up so much. But look, I agree with you, Tesla. And I think that one of the reasons why the growth stocks stopped going up is because Tesla stopped going up. But you know what? It's a reason to own it. We're finally getting it cheaper than 900. Very rarely get a deal. So I'm fine with Tesla. Let's go to Larry in Florida. Larry. Hiya, Jim. Thank you very much for taking my call. Quite welcome. I've been listening to you for 15 years. Great show. Thank you. I, th- I just signed up for Action Plus this past Oh, Tuesday. fantastic. Thank you. Great, great information in there. Thank you. Jim, I have to say one thing. Uh, when you're on vacation or you got ill like a, two weeks back, it seems like the financial market stopped for me. Please stay safe. <laughs> I'm trying. I, okay. I had some bad back Jim, surgery you'll... earlier this year. People know it really set me back. But I'm I'm doing my best with the PT. Wow, it hurts. How Jim, can I help? Jim, Jim, you always said there's room in your portfolio for a uh, spec stock. All right. Well, I bought one. 
I thought I did my homework, but it wasn't good enough. It's down 35%. The stock symbols are C-A-N. No. Yeah, you didn't get the cane with that one. Here's the problem. You know, look, I, I recommend a couple of Chinese stocks, but I, and I, look, you're absolutely right. I do bless speculation. But that one, no, I'm not a goer there. I mean, why not? Look, stick to Taiwan. Go Taiwan Semi. You don't need those guys. And that, and thank you for the kind comments. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up. For cinema stocks, the pandemic has been less welcome than a Godfather remake. So why should home gamers be giving the CEO of AMC a standing ovation? Kramer makes sense of some movie magic next. Adam Aaron, the turnaround artist CEO of AMC, is indeed a modern-day Harry Houdini. He's rescued his ailing movie theater chain from bankruptcy five times since the pandemic got rolling. And you know what? I think he's about to do it again. A sixth and hopefully final rescue by asking shareholders to approve his plan to issue 500 million new shares, which would be about $4.7 billion fundraise at these levels. Oh, it's not going to happen at once. Judging by the stock's relatively muted reaction, it was only down 8% today. I think he can sell every share and use the proceeds to clean up AMC's balance sheet and possibly acquire its beaten down competitors to become what I call the last man standing in the industry. But then again, the market has been expecting the new stock and Aaron's more likely to dribble it out slowly rather than placing it in one big chunk so as not to hurt his current shareholders. Look, I'm a believer because Aaron's done a fantastic job for shareholders wherever he's going, Norwegian Cruise, Vail Resorts, Starwood Hotels. He's not afraid to break a few eggs to make some delicious omelets either, kind of done some wild things, including some pretty crazy commercials. So is there, if there's anyone who could handle the pressure of trying to stop a heavily indebted movie theater from going under, it was Adam Aaron. Hence the nickname Houdini, given him by Rich Gelfond, CEO of IMAX, and a bit of an escape artist himself. All right, with this 500 million share again dribbled out offering, Aaron's showing you how a real professional uses the capital markets to his company's advantage. Just three months ago, AMC was trading below $2. I mean, that, that's just incredible. When you look at it, it just had, look at this. This is the pandemic, right? And then it comes down to here. Uh, and with the company on the ropes because they can't do much business thanks to COVID, right? As he described it this morning on Squawk on the Street, short sellers were leaning all over his stock right here, hoping to pressure it down to zero. I mean, literally. I mean, they, they would, that, of course, would have made it much harder for the company to raise money in stocks or, more importantly, in the bond market. It would have been lethal because AMC desperately needed the money right here. But then the Wall Street bets crowd started hunting for short sellers who pressed their bets in huge volume and pressed them too far. So they swooped in right here and busted the hedge funds that were gunning for AMC, just like they did with GameStop. Their aggressive buying created a short squeeze in AMC. Okay, boom, taking the stock from two dollars to twenty dollars in a matter of days. Look at that. It's incredible. It quickly did them retreat. To five dollars after the short squeeze ended, but it wasn't long before the buyers circled back again, boosting the stock to a nice, good level and allowed AMC to complete an earlier stock sale program at really fabulous prices. And the buyers are still there, so Aaron's coming back for more. Even look, if he can sell even a fraction of those 500 million shares, he'll be able to start retiring some of AMC's expensive corporate debt at a substantial discount to where it's trading. 
I mean, I got to tell you where this stuff is trading now. There's, he's got some bonds. Listen, the company has bonds trading in the 30s that are due in 2024, meaning they're reflecting almost certain bankruptcy. They would usually be probably around 95. And they're in the 30s. But that will not happen. The certain bankruptcy will not happen if he can sell stock right here, sell billions of dollars of the stock, and it takes the problems away. If Aaron can buy back those bonds on the cheap, get this, this offering, as voluminous as it is, would be actually additive to AMC's earnings. Additive, despite its size. Plus, if they sell all that stock, AMC will be able to negotiate with the production companies from a position of strength. Remember, the major players in the movie industry have their own streaming services now, so they want to release their films as early as possible on their online uh, platforms, like Disney's doing with Cruella and Black Widow. Now, that's bad news for the theaters, uh, who want to show these movies exclusively for as long as possible. And AMC, with deep pockets, can push for a longer window. This offering could give Aaron some negotiating power. Now, I know when GameStop surged to 300, I wanted management to sell massive amounts of stock so they could have a war chest to reinvent the business. I still think it's nuts that they haven't done a secondary offering up here, but, you know, look, they, I, they're getting a chance of a lifetime, but they're not listening to me. GameStop, why are they not listening to me? Because they don't have a gun to their head. They don't need to raise money. AMC, on the other hand, has been on life support uh, capital markets are the key to sur- their survival. Oddly enough, the Wall Street Bets people created a virtuous cycle. They pushed the stock price up, allowing AMC to raise more money, which then used to pay down debt, which makes the company itself even more valuable. It's a game changer, and it is Adam Aaron working with Wall Street Bets. Of course, not really, but they are pretty synergistic. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you Monday. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.